The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Welcome, everybody. Welcome uh, once again. So glad that you're here. My name is Alan, and I'm so thankful here this year's uh, Fun Day Sunday um, was outside and involved Kimberly. Uh, so I'm thrilled with it. Last year was pie in my face, and so uh, I'm glad the kids won, and I'm glad there's a dank, dunk tank uh, outside. That really did happen, just so you know, just outside of that door. It really did happen. So uh, once again, uh, very glad that you're here. Uh, this was a, an exciting week uh, for us because uh, uh, yesterday morning there were 20 cement trucks that gathered around the new site of our building and started to lay the foundation. That's the children's area there. They're starting to pour the concrete and uh, it just gets more and more fun as we move towards that. That's one of the reasons that we are uh, calling this year foundation, that we went after that theme of foundation, knowing that we were going to build the foundation for our uh, uh, our new church, and, uh, and the concept here in terms of the messages for the year is that we've identified 40 foundational passages of Scripture to help us understand what the overall story is, that this is a great way to, to kind of get started with it, that we can't build strong walls, we can't build a protective roof unless we have a solid foundation. So that's what we're going after this year. Our foundational verse that we're looking at today addresses the issue of sin. Sin is that broken part inside of us, inside of our head, inside our thinking, inside our heart that, um, that hurts people, that uh, sometimes, you know, oftentimes it's, it's unintentional. It's just a natural thing in us that ends up hurting other people or hurting ourselves or hurting and separating uh, us from our God. And so we're going to take a look at that today. What we're going to wrap up with today is we're going to take communion together. If you are a follower of Christ, uh, then we invite you to participate in communion at the end of our time. And the hope is that we would not just look at the bread and the cup as a reminder of what Christ did on the cross, but in terms of sin, that we would remember why Christ had to do that, why that's part of the overall story is that Christ had to die on the cross so that our sins could be taken care of, so that we would take the next half hour to prepare for that, not just what Christ did, but why he did it. The verse that we're taking a look at today is found in Romans chapter 3, and as we read these two verses, I invite you to stand with me. Let's read them together in reference to God's word. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Let's read together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Father in heaven, we are thankful to be here in this place to celebrate uh, a fun day and celebrate kids and celebrate families. But at the same time, God, we want to come before you and humbly say once again that we invite you to come and we give you access to our lives. Father, in, in the next half hour, I pray that, that uh, there would be no condemnation, that you would protect this place from finger pointing in terms of sin, but instead there would be tremendous appreciation for who you are, what you've done, and uh, you've given us a pathway to freedom. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks. 
So as part of our foundation journey, we're walking through the story of God chronologically, and where we are in the year is the section that I like to call the church, and it just represents the 2,000 years between the story we find in the Bible and the story we find ourselves in now. It's the story of the growth and development of the church. We can't fully understand what's going on in the world around us unless we kind of look at how we got to this place. Our foundational uh, passage today, the reason we've identified it as part of the church journey, is that it is one of the uh, uh, critical, essential verses to help us understand the, um, the, the, the biggest movement in the church over the past 2,000 years. Historians refer to it as the Protestant Reformation. And most of us are familiar with this. Even in secular education, we learn about the Protestant Reformation. It's a very big deal. And just to remind you, in the year 1517, Martin Luther uh, nailed the 95 theses onto the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And it was, it was, uh, he was a, a theological professor, and he, he wrote 95 theses, 95 challenges to the church, saying, here are some things that I think we need to revisit, some things that have, that have slipped away from where they could be or should be. Things like, uh, the Pope doesn't have the ability to forgive sins. That that's, that's something only God can do. Things like, the church has misunderstood what purgatory is. Things like, um, the church uh, should not be selling indulgences in order to free people from purgatory. That was a big deal that Luther was challenging. Things like, uh, just overall, we can't buy our way out of sin. That is something that is only through Christ, and that's what verse 24 is, is hitting uh, directly. Uh, it's important to remember that, that Luther wasn't trying to destroy the church, wasn't trying to dismantle the church, wasn't trying to start a new movement. Luther was a lover of the church. He was, as I said, a, pr a professor within the church. He wanted the church to think about and talk about things that the church was not talking about. So he, he loved the church. He just wanted to challenge the church. He saw that the church had, had sinned and it was fallen short of, of, of the glory of God. The church had, was heading in the wrong direction. And so the Protestant Reformation is a movement to say, we want to revisit how the church is the church. We want to, to, to revisit this because the church has drifted far away from what she could be. And so Martin Luther and the other reformers, they're saying, we want to challenge this. We want to go back to the basics. We want to identify what are the essentials of our faith because we've made this thing so confusing and we've attached so many things to it that are not what it was all about. And so they identified five soleil. The Latin word uh, soleil means only. Five things only. These are the five soleil of the uh, Protestant Reformation. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone, not all the different writings, they're not all equal, it is Scripture protected by God, that is how we get our theology and understand how we're to live our lives. Sola Fide, faith alone. Sola Gracia, grace alone. Solo Christo, Christ alone, there is only the one who saves. Soli Deo, Gloria, glory to God alone. Primarily, they wanted to say that the way 
we are reconciled with God, the way we figure out this separation, this brokenness that we have with God, is not about what we say, what we purchase, what we own. It is only grace. It is sola gracia. It is, it is grace alone. And this was a driver for the, the Reformation, and it changed the church. It changed uh, things dramatically. We are what we are today here in this place because of these dramatic changes that happened with the Protestant Reformation. Now, I could have picked a number of verses to be critical, key, essential verses that would have been central to Martin Luther's understanding uh, to be part of the foundational journey today. Romans 1, 17, Ephesians 3, Galatians, uh, uh, sorry, Galatians 3, Ephesians 2. There are a number of verses that would have been central to Martin Luther's theology. But I chose Romans 3 because not only does it address, address the idea of grace alone, it is, it is grace that, that allows us to be free, but it also addresses the issue of sin. That uh, Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by the grace through by grace through the redemption that come that came by Christ Jesus. And so it's this it's this sin piece and the grace piece that Paul addresses in these two verses that we want to look at this morning. Now if you're uh, familiar with Luther with Martin Luther or if you've seen the movie Luther, uh, pretty pretty good movie. Um, um, but if you're familiar with that story or have read anything about him, he was obsessed with his sin. He was obsessed with verse 23 and the reality of his sin. Uh, in fact, some even say he was OCD about his sin. He was painfully aware of his sin. He walked around on a regular basis with the, with the overwhelming reality of his sin. It's said that he would, he would be at the altar confessing his sin for long periods of time. Then he would leave and he would go back to eat or go back to sleep. And on his way, he would be reminded of something else and he would run back to the altar and continue to confess that. He was painfully aware of his sin. And that was a major driver for him as, as, as the one who is credited with starting the Protestant Reformation. This thing, we have to figure out a way that manages this other than what I pay and what I say and what I do. There has to be something else. And that's what it came down to. It is grace alone. It requires something way outside of our own strength. This was essential for Martin Luther. Now, some of you are very familiar with Martin Luther. Some of you would call yourselves Lutherans. I know we have Lutherans in our church. We have people with a Lutheran background, and there are approximately 80 million people in the world right now who would identify with the Lutheran uh, denomination. It's one of the largest uh, denominations uh, in the world. It, interesting, it's interesting that even while Martin Luther was alive, people started calling themselves Lutherans while he was still around. This wasn't centuries later. Even while he was around, they started, and he was very uncomfortable with that. I mean, can you imagine? He was not a fan of that. He said this, the first thing I ask is that people should not make use of my name and should not call themselves Lutherans, but Christians. What is Luther? The teaching is not mine, nor was I crucified for anyone. How did I, poor stinking bag of maggots that I am, come to the point where people call the children of Christ by my evil name? I mean, you see a lot of clarity for Martin Luther in here. That this is, could you imagine if we did that today? 
if we, if we identified somebody that, you know, this is who we're following or whatever. Um, so we, we all know Greg, Greg Battle and, and, and his family. And so Greg just did the announcements. He's one of the football players, uh, one of the uh, coaches of the DB team that won on Friday. Um, and uh, we all know Greg. Can you imagine if we, as a part of our community, and we've been with Greg for a long time, if we just said, we are called the battalions. We, we're, we call, yeah. We call, we are the battalions. And then, and so we would have conversations. Can you imagine saying to our daughters, now, I don't want you to just marry any boy. I want you to marry a good battalion boy. Now, now that might be a good idea, actually. There's some, there's some to that. They have got four of them. So, um, but, uh, but I mean, that's, that's, this is, kind of, this is kind of, I mean, this was so difficult for Luther to say, don't call yourself a Lutheran. Because he was so aware of his own brokenness, so aware of his own sin, and he was very uncomfortable with that. I think, the, 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 the reason I want to talk about this today is I think there are times and parts of our lives where we, we are not aware of our sin, where we have the ability to mask, to cover up, to paint over, to disguise our brokenness and our sin in ways that we, we can't even recognize it as sin any longer. I was trying to think of a, of a metaphor for that uh, in real life, of, a, of an example, a way, something that, that we, we don't like or we want to change, and so we change it and we paint over it, we adjust it, and we do it so well that we forget what the original thing even was, that we don't even see that original thing anymore. So I was thinking of, like, you know, blemishes on your face, uh, a pimple, or, or something in your home, or a, a scratch in your car. I was trying to think of an example. So I asked my wife about it, and I, and I, said, I said, can you help me, you know, come up with an example? And I said, how about this? I said, what, what about hair color for women? I said, so what about the, the whole uh, reality that, that it seems that, that, that women's hair don't go gray in our community. It's like a melanin miracle. It, it's, it's for some reason, somehow, it just doesn't happen until you're 70 or 80. That, that women in their 40s, they, they don't get gray hair. And it's just, it's just amazing how all this happens. And she said, yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> she said, I, I, I wouldn't go that direction. Uh, you'll lose points. Uh, you'll go down in the polls. Uh, I would, so, so I'm not going to use that illustration, but, <laughs> but then there was a pause, and we were looking at each other, and we were thinking for a little bit, and she said, she said, Alan, we live in the desert. We live in the desert. I mean, our entire community, our entire city is a facade. The whole thing is a beautiful picture painted around to make the desert look Beautiful. But we live in the desert. I live in Lakewood. It's one mile to the east of here. And in the Lakewood community, running right through it is a green belt and there's a playground in the middle. This is what Lakewood looks like. This was a, a little video here done this week. Fake, 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 fake. <laughs> fake. Fake. All the grass is fake. Those trees, fake, fake, fake. Palm trees are fake. Little tree on the bottom here, it's cute, young, little, fake. Uh, green tree coming up on the right, it's very large, very bushy, fake. I mean, everything has to be watered. It's all fake. It's just this big facade. We live in the desert. We live in the desert. There are no palm trees in the desert. This is a beautiful pygmy palm. I love this, this tree. And, and we have these all over our communities and our yards. 
fake. I mean, it's just, it's does, it doesn't grow here. It's not supposed to grow here. That's why queen palms die here in our community. They don't, they, we don't have uh, regular grass. I have artificial grass in my front yard and in my backyard, both. I'm a low-maintenance guy. I do the artificial grass. Why, why is it artificial? Because I live in the desert. And, and real grass just does it just doesn't, it just doesn't survive. It's all fake. The whole thing around us is, is fake. We have a haboob, haboob storms that will come annually. And, and why do we have these, these crazy storms? Because we live in the desert. Because it's a natural storm of the desert. Yet every time a haboob comes and we go, oh no, what is it? And we did all the dust and the dirt and the sand. It's ruining my outside. It's, it's making my pool yucky. And, and so we're just so, oh, what is ridiculous? How could this haboob thing happen? Because we live in the desert. I mean, we're just, we're just, we've painted over the desert so well, we don't even see it as the desert anymore. We think we live in a tropical paradise, but we don't. And I think sometimes we do that with our sin, that we're, we're so good at covering it up. We're masters of disguise in terms of our sin. Jesus, at one point, he's addressing the spiritual leaders, and he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. You, you look clean and beautiful and shiny on the outside, yet there's death on the inside. They're just bones on the inside. And Paul challenges us and says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. This is a foundational thing for us to, stand, for us to understand. It's not we used to sin. It's not some people sin. It's not those people sin. All have sinned. And there is a, this is a major problem that needs to be addressed in humanity. This is why I think it's important to look at church history, to look back at generations of people who embraced sin and somehow disguised it, painted over it, and, and believed that it was okay at, 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 during their lifetime. They didn't see it, the sin, for what it actually was. And so... We look at the Crusades, and here's this, this, this period of time in these movements where people, would, um, where people would go in the name of God and recapture Jerusalem and protect Jerusalem, whatever it takes. And so they, they just didn't see it as sin. They saw it as something righteous that they were doing. Or you move into the Inquisitions, and so it was done in the name of God to, to bring converts to, to create uh, Christians, to transition people into faith. And they would do whatever they could with the Inquisitions. We looked at this last week. And they had justified it in that era. And then we have the indulgences uh, that led to the Protestant Reformation. It was a central part of that journey. That we are going to um, uh, receive these, uh, this money from people uh, so that they can be free from their sin. Somehow they had justified this. And literally so that they could build St. Peter's Basilica. I mean, that's what that money went towards. They needed that money at that time. This beautiful facility that we still enjoy to this day. And so it was just justified. And then we have slavery in more recent history. That this, this was viewed, this is part of the building of this new nation under God. And so in the moment, somehow these unimaginable things were justified by large numbers of people, by followers of Christ. 
And so how, how is that possible? It's important for us to look at that because in what way might there be something in our generation, in our experience, that we have painted over, that we, have, that we are, are, are not seeing? There, there are some sins that we do see, of course, obvious. There are sins that we are fully aware of, things that we deal with on a regular basis, on a daily basis, things that, that, that we see the impact of. And we're fully aware of it, and we're dealing with it, and we're talking about it, and reading about it, and we're in rehab, or we're in groups, and we're, we're uh, in counseling, whatever. We're dealing with the reality of life. And we've been talking about this consistently throughout the foundation journey, that, that those things that we identify are brokenness that we're aware of, these are not things that we are to carry around as our own burden, and just to say, oh, this is... This is, this, is, this, is the, this is what I'm supposed to carry for the rest of my life. That's the, that's the whole freedom that comes through Christ. If you remember uh, Matthew chapter 11, we had the big sign underneath the screens. If you were here, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And then on this side, he said, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Bring those sins that you're aware of. But the category I want to talk about today is, is this, this group of sins that we're not aware of. If we're not aware of them, we're not bringing them to Christ. We are not experiencing the freedom from those sins. And it's those things that we've painted over that we, we don't even see them as sin anymore. It's possible to get so comfortable with the ways of the world in terms of our relationships and in terms of our sexuality that, that we, we no longer see the ways of God, the ways of Scripture as relevant it's not even on our radar. It's, it, we don't even hear it. We don't see it. We don't read it. It's possible. It's possible to, to say a lie so long and so often that you don't even see it as a lie anymore. It's possible that that, that once was a lie and now you, you actually believe that's the truth. So you're not confessing that anymore because you don't even see it. It's possible to... Be so confident that you are right in your theology or in your morality that, that you can't even fathom the idea of being wrong. It's just, it's just not even, you know, it's just not, it doesn't even enter the conversation, the idea that you might be wrong about, about that, about something. That's what it means to be self-righteous. That's what self-righteous is. Myself, I'm right and that's what it is. We just don't see it. And it's not pretty. And it's, 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 it's ugly. And Christ was not a fan of that. But here's the difficult thing. I know this, we're having fun. This, the, here's the difficult thing about this message. Here's the, this is what makes this whole message, this whole topic difficult. Here, as we talk about it here today, it's a complete waste of time. I, I, don't, I don't typically like to say that on a Sunday morning because you've, you've driven here, you've gathered here. I don't typically want to make that a general theme. This is a waste of time. But, but almost by definition, as we talk about sins that we can't see, we can't identify, almost by definition, it's a waste of time for me to address it because you don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, naturally what's happening in this room is every one of us is thinking that this message is for somebody else. I mean, it's so natural to just go, oh, I totally get what you're saying, Alan. Walter totally needs to hear this message. Walter's so messed up. And so, so, you know, don't go in the lobby and buy CDs of this message for somebody else. 
don't buy a CD for this for Walter because at the, 10 a, at the 9 a.m. service, Walter bought one for you. Um, and he didn't see his own thing. It's just sometimes there's just this category that we're, that we're not aware of. We're not, we're not open to seeing it as a part of our brokenness. We're blinded to it. And we say, I don't live in the desert. I live in Phoenix. I live in a tropical paradise. I don't live in the desert. So here's, here's, here's an action step. If you're interested in seeing some things that perhaps are not natural for us to see, if you're interested in that, if you want perhaps even more freedom in your life, then I think it would require a couple things. Two things. One is to develop the ability to speak the truth in love to other people. To speak the truth in love to other people. One of our foundational verses was 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training. Now for us to, to embrace that sensitively, then we do that those in loving ways. It's not about finger pointing. It's not about judging. It's not about being self-righteous. That stuff is very harmful and destructive. It's about lovingly addressing something in the life of somebody you care about. You care about them. You love them so much. It's what a parent does with a child to say, to say I'm not trying to hurt you. I really am trying to help you because I've identified something and I want to I address it with you. It's lovingly addressing it. And it's a skill. And it's, it's not natural for us because we tend to either... Um, go on one end and say, I, I don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to bring that up. I'm not going to say that. I, I don't want to have a meeting for that purpose. Or much less likely we're on the other end and we just go in with a machete. And it's just kind of hacking you know, people up in relationships. It's not healthy. There's this sweet spot in the middle where we speak the truth in love in the context of healthy relationships. So one is the ability to speak that into other people's lives. And then number two is the ability to hear that in our own lives. And that's the one that can be more difficult. That if somebody, maybe they do it well, maybe they don't do it well, but somebody is addressing something they see in you, do you have the ability to hear it? Because we naturally, we're like Wonder Woman. I mean, we are naturally defeated. Offensive and we deflect and we, we, we say, yeah, that's not me. And there's a way to just say, yeah, you're saying that because, because you're, uh, you don't understand. You're judgmental. Uh, you, are, you are being self-righteous. You are identifying the speck in my eye and you don't even see the plank in your own eye. And so we can, we can deflect these things. Do we have the ability to say, hey, wait a minute. I, I, I don't even see that, but you're identifying something that perhaps is a need for me in order to fully experience freedom. Can you do that? This is why we, we value community, because the, these two things, they require us to be in a healthy community with one another. They require that. That's why we, we talk about connecting with one another. That's why that's, that's so important for us in terms of how we make this happen, that if your spiritual growth journey is limited to watching Joel Osteen online or 
uh, uh, watching some kind of uh, teaching or gathering here in this space, which I'm so glad that you're here, but if it's limited to gathering here in this space, then it's, we have a natural tendency to filter things out in order to protect ourselves. I'm going to filter that. I don't hear that. I, just, I think about Walter, but I don't think about myself. It's natural for us to do that. But when we were in a healthy community where people we know care about us and they, they are for us and they know us, it's in that context that we can learn how to speak the truth and love to other people. And then in turn, we can hear from other people and we can be changed. We can hear things and go, yeah, that, that wasn't fun. That wasn't comfortable. But it's transforming. If you're interested in that, we have a pastor on staff, Zach Schiffer. I introduced him about a month, month or so ago here. He came up on uh, stage and introduced his wife. And he is our connection pastor. That's his job. He and his team, that's what their job is here to do, is to help you connect with other people in meaningful ways. So contact him. Email him. Um, you can go to the church website. You, you Just Zach Schiffer, try to contact him. Remember the word connect and say, I want to talk to that connect guy. Or, or somebody on the Connect team. We would love to help you out with this because this is important. It's important. I said at the beginning that we would wrap up with, with communion. And uh, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to kind of shape what, how communion, I think, connects with, with these verses in Romans 3 and, and the conversation we've had over the past uh, 30 minutes or so. That we are masters of disguise in terms of our sin. So it's important to remember that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Martin Luther and, and the Protestant Reformation, it reminded the church that our freedom from that, our freedom from that does not come from what we do or what we buy. It comes wholly from the grace of God. It is, it is grace alone that brings us freedom in that. All are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I want to invite the ushers uh, to come down and, uh, and uh, distribute the elements for us to, to take, to participate in. Again, if you are visiting with us, uh, if you are a follower of Christ, we invite you to participate in communion uh, here with us together. And uh, perhaps if we could remember this as we're... Uh, holding the elements. The band is going to lead us in a song, and I just ask you to hold the elements. We'll take the elements together after the song is over, but that you would think not just about what Christ did through his, his broken body and his spilled blood, not just what Christ did, but why it was done because of our sins, the sins that we're aware of and that we're bringing to Christ, and the sins that perhaps we're not aware of that we need to bring to Christ. Let's, let's prepare ourselves to have that experience with Christ here today. Would you bow your heads with me real quick? Father in heaven, I'm so thankful that we get to do this here in this place. Father, that you, you have set us up to set aside time to, to reflect on, on our brokenness and our need for your grace, our need for your love, our need for your redemption. So in these next few moments, as we worship, as we prepare, God, we want to encounter you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.